Today's deep dive into Loki is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is opening up again. And when you step outside the door in the morning, you want to look sharp. You want to look good. And you can do that at CuffLinks.com. They have all the greatest brands that you're used to, plus the super geeky stuff, which is why they advertise with us. You can get Marvel, DC, Game of Thrones, sports. Oh my gosh, so many things to choose from. Use code DVR20 and save 20% on your order, no minimum. So head over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and check out their splash page because they are always running amazing sales. Cufflinks.com. Welcome back to One Mike, the Delvin Cox Experience, and Daily DVR's Deep Dive into Loki. My name is Axel. You can find out more about my pods at DVRpodcast.com. And with me, of course, are Mike and Delvin. Today, we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 6 of Loki entitled... What was this entitled? The End, I think, right? It was whatever, whatever. I can't remember either, but it was whatever the phrase is for all time, always. That's what it is. Yes, for all time, it. I was always. Like, it's whatever phrase is above the elevator. Yes, I couldn't pronounce it. Um, yeah. Directed by Kate Heron, who directed all the episodes this season and written by our quote unquote showrunner, Michael Waldron. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening to the podcast, please leave a like, subscribe, write us a review. We really appreciate it. I wanted to just take a moment to thank everyone who has been along with us for this whole ride, people who have been sending us lots of uh, feedback, Andy, Claire, Matt, Bill, Gareth, um, who else sent us a lot of of stuff on the Facebook. We appreciate everybody giving their opinions on the show following us along with uh, what we've been doing here. And we appreciate all that you do to subscribe and write reviews and all that kind of stuff. It really does mean a lot. Also, check out Mike's instant reaction to the episode on his One Mike channel. So I will say hello to the gentleman for the final time this season. Hello, Mr. Delvin. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And I concur with Axel. Thank you, everybody, except Tim Hines. <laughs> that's that's who I was forgetting. I was like, I, I, I trailed off because I was like, who am I forgetting not to mention? Tim Hines. That's it. That's it. I did the right thing. Hey, Mike, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? Great to talk about this episode. I have thoughts. Yes, I'm sure you do. Um, well, before we begin, though, I think that it is only fitting that we should just state from the top here that Loki has been renewed for a second season. That was the kind of post-credit sequence. You see his um, his like card in the TVA, which, by the way, has his. Does it say? Does does he have Thor's last name there? Did they give him a different last name? Did anyone catch that? I didn't. I never even saw that because. Okay. Like I always kind of like run my cursor because I, I watch it on my computer screen. Um, 
because I, I do it during the during the week when I'm in my office. So I just kind of run my uh, my my mouse cursor over the progress oh, bar <laughs> to see if there's like a, an extra scene. When I yeah. didn't see an extra scene, I just clicked it off. So I never even I didn't even when I recorded my initial reaction, I didn't even know it was there was a second season. I saw uh, something later. Okay. That showed that I was like, oh, that must have been at the end of the credits, and I didn't even I didn't even see it. So I don't yeah. I don't know. I think I may have accidentally spoiled that on this on this show. Now that I think about it. You maybe I, I don't know, maybe. I think I think I did say on like one of the early episodes that this show was renewed for season two. I saw that a long time ago that this show was gonna have a, a second really? season. Okay. Yeah. Well it's official I, now. I mean, you know with this stuff they leak so much. That you hear things, you know what I mean? So it's official. Um, but also, I should mention, Kate Herron is not coming back to direct all of the episodes. That's disappointing. Yeah, it's disappointing. But I don't really think that that's anything. I don't think that has anything to do with the way it turned out or anything. It's just a commitment. I think it's probably she got another she got a chance to do a movie or Disney even hired her to do something. It's just I think they just want to bring someone else in. It's like how they're bringing in um uh what's his name to do the Boba Fett um Robert Rodriguez is directing all the Boba Fett. What? Yeah. Yeah. He's I doing all, that. Yeah, Robert he's doing, Rodriguez is yep. doing the Boba What the fuck? Wow. The book of Boba okay. who is who by the way basically invented the the way that they shoot these that volume yeah you know he did that in his backyard and now and like they kind of they you know, he's like the the pioneer of that but i think that's the thing is they're just bringing in someone new you know what i'm saying like new blood keep it moving it's just like with all the movies just because this same person doesn't direct another mcu movie they usually pop up in something else you know so my my only concern with that is when MCU usually has the same director, it keeps its cohesiveness and it kind of gets better as it goes on. A perfect example of that to me at least yeah. is the Captain America series. Like when they have like the Russo brothers do Captain America with a soldier, then they did um Civil War, then they go on to do Infinity War Endgame. Yeah. There's a certain cohesiveness and and you can see it as you watch the movies, it get better and better. In terms of how the movies like kind of blends together, and I feel like it's the same thing with these directors. Like when you have one director kind of doing their style with something like that, and they keep going with it as time goes on, you get to see it progress. And I think that's kind of one of the problems I had with Falcon Winter Soldier in terms of the action of it, because we got through, we got from went from seeing Falcon and the Winter Soldier, for that matter, fight in the MCU movies under the Russo brothers, no dynamic fight scenes that were brutal, fast, and kind of furious to seeing them in their own series. And there was a stark difference in it, in the fight, in the fighting styles of it. That's interesting. And people were saying like, when a soldier didn't look as vicious as he did in the movies, even when he was in like in game and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm, that's my main concern. I think just keeping that cohesiveness in terms of these type of things. I don't think it's any coincidence either that those are the four of the best five movies in the MCU either. Uh, yeah. But I, 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 kinda, I, I agree with both of you. Uh, I like the cohesiveness with, with, you know, a consistent director. 
And it's the same thing I mentioned last week that I feel like they dropped the ball with on the, the Star Wars, the last three Star Wars movies. Yes. But um, also, though, I think that uh, from from kind of like Axel's perspective, like when you come with a different a different season of a show and, and you're giving somebody else a different look, um, it can it can work out sometimes even better, especially with a show like this, where I feel like um, this this season. And I, I, I kind of wanted to open this way anyway, with like giving a shout out to her, because I feel like she did an incredible job with this show. And I, I feel like, you know, you bring in somebody else like the dynamic of this show could change, but it could change in a good way because like this one had a very distinctive style, a very distinctive look. And, and that went along with what they were trying to do. And I feel like a second season probably won't do the same thing. Like it's probably going to have to do something a bit different and, you know, bringing in somebody new for that could be, could be beneficial. So like, and I, and then I'm also not as concerned with like, um, like uh, the cohesiveness with this just and, and it's kind of tough to pinpoint why but it, it's kind of like I, you know i i kind of expect this to have a little bit of a uh like a different feel for the second season anyway just because i feel like whatever it is that they're gonna have to do is gonna probably have to be uh i'd say fairly different from what they did this time so uh, i don't really feel any kind of way about it but i do i do feel a little bit of remorse be- just simply because i felt like she did such a great job that if she were to come back for season two, that it would probably be, it would, it would definitely continue to be a, a really good show. So, uh, but you know, you know, whoever this new person is, they might do better. So I guess we'll yeah. see. Yeah. I think, um, <clears throat> when I first heard it, I said, I, the, my first reaction was, wow, you want it like Delvin saying, you want to kind of keep a team together. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you have, a a straighter arrow of creativity. But I do, like you're saying, Mike, I think also in TV, it's a bit different than in film. Traditionally, she said she set kind of a tone for this. And there is, there is somewhat of a directing style to this series, but overall, I think bringing someone new in probably has a little bit more to do with actually doing the work than it does the creative vision, if you know what I mean. Because I think that they already kind of set it forth. And then it also, I think they just like to kind of keep it turning. But I think Waldron is returning from from what I understand. I couldn't find the article that I thought I read. But I think I read somewhere that Waldron is returning as kind of the showrunner, which I think is a good sign. And the ca- and also I've read the cast. You know, Hiddleston said something like, "I'd love to play Loki until I'm a hundred years old." You know, um, so I think that that's great. But I mean, I think generally speaking. Were you guys surprised that it was like officially renewed that quickly? I was a bit surprised because yeah. it be and especially after this finale, which led so directly not into a second series, but into the movies, which we, we should just talk about. Um I mean, I think overall this episode was fantastic. And the thing that made it so fantastic for me was quite simply Jonathan Majors. That guy is, I don't, I don't know any other way to say than he is a fucking incredible actor. And it is very rare that, I mean, 
gosh, they did it again with Sylvie, right? That someone comes into a show and just owns it immediately and just blew me away. I felt like this this was his episode, and sometimes I can't – I'm trying to remember things that happen, and all I remember is him leaning over there and, and <laughs> saying, like, just going, rah, like, yelling at them and <laughs> acting crazy. But it was so refined, too, at other moments. So overall, I just have to say that he blew me away. And whatever else happened in this episode, I loved, of course, we've been watching the whole season. But my God, that guy is, he is something else, man. He's like a force to be reckoned with as an actor. I think he's on the cusp of superstardom for sure. Yeah. He better be. Yeah. Because it's so rare that you, I, I, I mean, like, I was like, holy shit. This guy is like fucking stealing the whole MCU right now. <laughs> Like, this is the best acting we've seen so far. I will say this. I'm just happy that this show delivered on what people thought it was going to be. Because one of the biggest problems with WandaVision was everybody was suspecting this big reveal in terms of, like, Mephisto or something, somebody huge like that. And when it didn't deliver, while people were satisfied with the show, there was a little bit of, like, huh, we kind of wanted to see something cool. This show, on the other hand, no, they gave it to us right out the gate. Nope. Here is Kane the freaking Conqueror. We're not going to call him by his name here, but you know who he is. And this episode is all about him and his plans and everything you need to know what is going on with the MCU for the future. I thought that was amazing. And I think they, and and even more so, they did that, but they didn't do that. Like, cause I, cause like, that's not, I, I feel like when we see him again, he's going to do something completely different. Like he's not going to be that same. He's not going to do that same performance because that's not the Kang that we're going to see. We're going to see someone yes. different. And I, and I think that's cool in that they delivered on Kang, but didn't like, so they yeah. still have that in their back pocket that they, they're going to be able to break out Jonathan majors again. And he's going to get to do something entirely different. And I think that's so cool that they kind of like met expectations, but also subverted them. I'm like, you motherfuckers are bad, man. You're right. That's Mike. You're totally right. He gets to be intro twice and he's got the chops where he'll kill it the second time too. And if they do it again, like he says in this too, like they're all bad, right? Like there's not just one, like there's more. He'll do it again because that was just something. It was like an otherworldly performance that he gave there that just blew me away. Um, I kind of like that. They kind of set up that he could be the villain for Loki season two, as well as be the main bad guy in the next Ant-Man movie, as well as be like the next major villain in all of the MCU. I'm like, and it all makes sense and it all will work. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry, I had myself muted there. There's a truck out in front of my house. I think it's driving off now. And we shall continue. Um, yeah, I want to start off, just kind of starting off, though, uh, in the beginning overall. Sounds like we all liked it. Um, the the I just wanted to say before we get too deep to start from the beginning, the, the opening... CGI uh, and sound collage of hearing 
like famous things and mostly like Marvel stuff, right? Interspersed as we kind of see this flow of this circle of time and this castle and little planet in the center of it. I just thought was absolutely amazing. Shout out to all those artists sitting in dark rooms making that shit for us. And I just thought that the way that they were able to visualize something which in films is so often spoken and you have to be thinking while they're talking about it, right? Like where we are, this this place beyond time to actually show it to us right in the beginning of the episode was really fantastic. Looked jet. I just finished rewatching uh, infinity war and Endgame with my son and going right into and like watching this episode, watching them and then watching this episode again, right after, I mean, it's, it's indistinguishable. The special effects that they put into this show it's a fucking amazing. Like it looks beautiful. I just had to go off on that for a second. Um, no, the, the visuals on yeah. this show have been incredible. And and again, I, I readily admit that these sorts of visuals are right up my alley. I said that from episode one, like I really dig this kind of shit, what they're doing. But um, yeah, it, it was the, you definitely, it, it's, it's in, indistinguishable from, from the movies. Like you could definitely see that castle and all that, uh, that, that, end of time void where the castle is located. Like it looks, it looks very similar to, to uh, what was the, that planet in infinity war where, uh, where uh, Thanos. Oh, um, not, Volmir? Uh, Volmir. Not that, yeah. Vormir. That's right. what I was thinking at first. I was where they thinking get the soul stone. Name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like right. the, yeah, really really cool stuff there. And uh r- real quick too on the on the director thing too. Like you know, it, especially in, in TV, it's also kind of rare to have a director do every episode. Like you think about like uh I, I don't know how many times I'm going to end up referencing Game of Thrones on here, but like, you know, Game of Thrones changed their directors up for like every episode and yeah. it's like, okay, well, now we're going to yeah. bring in Miguel Sapochnik for the big fucking thing and we're going to bring in Michelle McLaren for the big fucking thing, but like there was never you know, there was never a a, a, a a feeling of incohesiveness there, even though the directors changed from episode to episode. So, yeah, they have been doing streaming. You know, one of the first times that that um, I can remember uh, in recent history was True Detective. Um, when they got Carrie Fuganaka, if, I, Fuganaka, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, that to, sounds right. to direct yeah. all of season two. Um, and which ended up being a bit of a clusterfuck for them. Mm-hmm. I think you'd take a chance because TV is much different. And a, a lot of times the reason why they like kind of kept the studio system for TV of like flipping directors in and out and just having the pilot director set the tone is because when you bring a director in, you bring all their ideas and you often don't have time to incorporate that into 24 episodes or even 10 episodes in a season. So I think Marvel approaching this and these, these shows more like their films, like giving it to a director and giving it to a writer is the, is the, is the way to go. Because I think that this was by far the most cohesive of the three shows. 
Mm-hmm. And you can see how they grew because Falcon Winter Soldier was actually the first one they did, then WandaVision, then this, and how they moved more. They started more like TV and ended up more like a movie in the end, which I think is a, a smart way to go. Definitely. I agree. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit in order because we basically have two things. We have like Loki and Sylvie and Kang. And we have kind of like a kind of B plot with Ravona, Mobius, and B-15 that goes on. And, of course, they intersect. But do you guys want to um, talk about Ravona, Mobius, and B-15 to get that out of the way at first because they come back in the end? Because it's not that much, and then we can get deep into the Kang and all that. Is that cool? Yeah, Yeah. that works for me. Okay. So – we do see that the timey-wimey, the clock thing, is playing a part in this show. And when we first kind of get with Ravona and see her again, she is talking to the timey clock about um, what's going on. But it's she makes reference to the fact that she doesn't know who Kang is. She then has a confrontation with... Mobius, where they have like a big long conversation about their relationship. At the same time, Hunter B fifteen is going back in time to nineteen uh, to two thousand eighteen to Fremont, Ohio, to confront the past Ravona, which we find out she was a school teacher. That's what the pen was about, right? Yes. And we end this because this is interesting. We only have like basically four or five scenes. They go back in time. She sees the teacher. There's a TVA guy. B-15 says, I've got a lot to tell you, you know, before they kind of, they're at, they're at odds. Obviously, the TVA guy has been sent by, by the future Ravona. So then we think something's going to happen with that incident. We never find out what occurs after that. Because the next time we see Hunter B-15 and Mobius, it's at the end of the episode after everything has happened. So basically, we kind of have like this subplot that gets developed where B-15 is going back in time to JFK High School to get Ravona. Mobius is pouring his heart out to Ravona. And none of it really gets settled in really any way, Ravona disappears through a portal to go find free will on her own. So that's the last we see of her. What did you? What were some of your guys' thoughts about this kind of B plot? Because while I was watching the show, it it almost seemed to me, though I enjoyed the episode, that they kind of just needed something to cut awake to. <laughs> so they created like a secondary or this is going to be season two stuff. I, I took the whole B-15 thing as her going and showing all of the variants that, hey, here's a variant of Ravona. <laughs> This is her real life. This is the real Ravona. This is what's going on. Trying to explain to them everything that's going on. And I think the best way she figured it out is, hey, let me show them that there's another version of the person that everyone knows so they can get understanding for it. Lead them there. So I think that's what what was going on with her, at least. 
in terms of her vote, I think she's struggling with everything that's going on and doesn't know how to feel about it because she doesn't know how essentially this is one of the few times where she doesn't know how it's all going to end. She has no control over the situation. Whereas before, like her being the head of that, the sort of head of everything, she has something to believe in. She has something to fight for. Now she kind of doesn't have that. And the person that she kind of cares about didn't have her back. That's how she looks at it. So now she's going to go out and try to find herself and find her own glorious purpose, per se. Yeah, I, I do think this is going to be a season two plot point. Um, I, and, and initially, I before I realized that there was going to be a season two, I, I was sitting there wondering, like, okay, so you just going to look at the coffee ring, the, the cup stain, and yeah. we're not going to find out what happened here? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I like the fact that they left a couple of those plot lines open uh, to pursue in season two. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes because, like, you know, there was a lot of talk on here and, and amongst the fandom, you know, how much does Ravona know? And I think now we know that she did, she was not, you know, as in the know as people thought she probably was. And now we're going to have to find out like a lot, what's going on with her, what's going on with that, that damn cup stain, you know, and it made me wonder like, is, is there, uh, is there more of a, was I reading too much into that? Like, was that just her, like the way she looked at that cup stain? It made me think again, like, oh, that's got to mean something. Because that's what I said when they showed it initially. But now I'm like, okay, is that, given the events of the episode prior to that, I'm like, well, maybe she's just looking at that, you know, and reflecting kindly on Morpheus, Morpheus, <laughs> Mobius. So I, I don't I don't know. But, yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting season two uh, plot point for sure. I think I have figured out that part, by the way. I think that I'm trying uh, to figure. I'm trying to figure out if I want you to tell me. <laughs> so, I have so much. I have so much hope and stakes in this because I made a big deal about it, and that was fucking episode one. I made a huge deal about it. <laughs> I, I I could be wrong, so I preface it at that. I think the fact that she was a teacher leads me to believe that Mobius was a teacher at that same school. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah, that's totally what yeah. I think. That's, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I thought that too. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what he did every time he came into our office. Maybe, maybe even an affair. And they were kind of just like hey, he come like in the office that. and hang out with her and stuff like that. He yeah. put his cup in that same spot, and that's why she keeps looking at it. Yeah, I had that thought too, especially since he since he always making this big deal about this other analyst. Like I, I, I mean, I made, I made that point back whenever they did, whenever he said that, that like maybe there's multiple more Mobiuses. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think that's probably what it is too. Like it, they probably had a relationship of some sort in, uh, in this 2018 life. That's what I thought that they were going to run past him in the hallway. And <laughs> me too. I, think I thought that too. <laughs> yeah, was going to be like, "What are you doing here?" It's going to be like, "I'm going to lunch." You know what I mean? What about like, jet ski? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Or like he points out the window and there's his car with like a jet ski behind it. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah, I really. Um, so, Mike, what did you think? Like, how did you feel about the fact that? this did seem to be kind of like a separate, it was because there was so much huge MCU Kang multiverse stuff happening with Loki and Sylvie. I really kept on feeling like as I was watching this, 
I had to go back and like, did they fig- did they tell us what happened? Like, how do you feel about the fact that half of the show leads to season two, but half of the show seems to lead to a film? Does that bother you at all? Or do you like, I kind of liked it actually, but how did you feel about it? I, I have no issues with it at all. Uh, I, I, I would have had issues had there not been a had it had it not be known that there's going to be a second season but okay, yeah uh, with the knowledge that there's a second season i i have no issues with it whatsoever I, i'm i'm completely satisfied how do you feel delvin about that i loved it i love it i love the direction the show is going into and not to talk too much about the ending i think the show has kind of took loki off of the mcu movie table interesting I think that's cool i think they kind of explained the way in a good way, why you won't see Loki with the Avengers and things like that. And I think it's because, well, he's not in the same timeline anymore as them. I like And that. is Loki now going to be a good guy in season two? I, I think that's a possibility. I think this is that this episode was fascinating because it kind of painted Loki as a hero. Yeah. Everything Loki did was the actions of a hero. Even him, him saying no, when the whole big thing was coming out with the decision, he was like, no, he was the reasonable one. Everything he said was completely reasonable. Like, no, yeah. let's think this out before we make this decision. And yeah. and there were moments where Loki could have done the Loki thing and turned on everybody and went out for his own goal. But he did. Not only did he not do it, it it came up and point to it. It was like it wasn't even a, a question for him to do that. Everything he was doing was the right thing. Yeah. This episode, it was emphatically that. It wasn't like, no, he's not struggling. Like the perfect example is at the beginning of the episode with Miss Minutes. It was like, hey, we can make it so so you guys can win the Battle of New York. And you can have everything you want. And why it seemed like it almost seemed like he didn't that was an afterthought to him. He just wanted to be happy with, with Sylvie. He didn't he didn't care. Love, baby. <laughs> I thought that was a powerful moment where he, he could have had the glorious quote unquote. I don't think they were gonna do it, but I think he could have quote unquote in his mind had the glorious purpose that he always wanted. And he chose, no, I'm, I'm cool. Let's figure out this whole mystery and see what's going on. Yeah. And Miss Minutes was, why was Miss Minutes so goddamn sinister feeling in this I episode? I know. Too? I love that was it. Perfect, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Miss Minutes. Like, okay. Man, this is scary. <laughs> I forgot. Like, if they, like, whatever, like, it, it was so good how they did it because it was so, uh, it lets you know that what was to follow was going to be some heavy shit if Miss Minutes is up front saying, I will give you, and it runs off all the, all the things that he who was what is, he who remains is offering. Like I'm like, if that's what he who remains is putting on the table, what the fuck's gonna happen after this? Like that was like that was like low key kind of like scary. Like oh yeah, man, Miss yeah. Minutes has uh, got me a little bit nervous right now. And, and I honestly think that was a test, by the way. I don't think he was gonna offer any of that. I think he was doing that to see if they would take it, to see. If they took it, then he knew they weren't the right people to take his place. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. All right, let's well, let's jump into that. I just wanted to say one last thing about I about the kind of split in the show because we're already getting into the Loki stuff. So we'll see Ravona in season two, Mobius. I love that whole backstory. I could imagine that he was like the principal and she was like their roles were reversed. You know what I mean? And he was, she was his favorite or something. I love all that shit. I just want to say this though. I've been covering 
like TV shows and shit on podcasts for like 11 years, almost 12 years now. And I always say about a season of television, if it's connected to a movie or a story or anything, that it has to be itself, like on its own or else it's not successful. And I am going to say for the first time ever, I disagree with myself. And I'm happy to say it. That for the first time ever, I was so excited that half this show led into a season two and half led into movies. And I think that this is what I've wanted for so long. They need to do, they're doing it with the Mandalorian. They need to do it with real Star Wars and stop with these jerky movies that we all know are not good. And they need to do what the MCU is doing. I loved that they did this. A lot of people have been complaining, oh, what is this? It's not really a season of TV because then you have to go watch the movie. It's the MCU. It's part of the same thing. Mm -hmm. What is there, a fucking barrier for you to switch over and go to watch the movie that's on the same streaming service? (laughs) It's a new world. Stop complaining. Like, this is like Scorsese shit, right? Like... (laughs) Just leave it alone, dude. Like, allow for change to happen. I'm allowing it. I'm happy that this... I was was honestly very impressed that they... All the Ravona, B-15, and Mobius really lead into a season two. And Loki, too. Whereas the Kang thing is leading into a whole... Like, you have to know what that means. That upsets some people because casual viewers are like, who's this person? Oh, now I got to watch a movie? Well, you're fucking watching an MCU TV show. Yes, you should watch the movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, That's not a big cost of entry. Like, it's just not. It's f- part of the fun. So if you're upset that they are trying to make something more fun and more cohesive, that's on you. Because I just I just had to make my TV statement because I've been reading a lot of reviewers who are saying, oh, this is garbage. They're just trying to sell their action figure or that, right? Like by tying that's it into what, the movie. That's what Tim Hines said on yeah, my YouTube that, video. But that's so <laughs> what action figure. Are they, are they gonna just yeah, but that's such an old conqueror? school way of thinking, right? Like mm-hmm. that's an old school way of thinking. And I understand that. Okay, it's America. Everything, we we don't trust anyone. Everything's been bought and sold. I get it. But in this case, this is actually a very intelligent and smart thing to do. And it honors not only the show itself, but the film. They actually gave us half and half, which I thought was brilliant. Like, at first, I was dismayed. I was like, what the fuck happened to Ravona? She never came back. I thought she was going to step out where they were with Kang or something, but she just never comes back. And then I'm like, that is really, really kind of cool that they did that. I loved it. You know, and the way that Mobius and B-15 end up back at the TVA, um, but maybe knowing who they are as well, because Kang says, you, you know, be honest with everyone. So maybe the next Kang was honest. And just said, hey, you're, you're, you work at the TVA, you know? So anyway, I just wanted to go off on that. But let's go back to what you guys were saying. Mike, start, Mike left off by talking about how um, Miss Minutes was offering them this deal. 
be as soon as they get into the castle, be reinserted to the timeline and get whatever you want. And Delvin, I have to agree with you from the very second that she was saying that Loki was looking over at Sylvie. He wasn't even looking at, he was looking at what he could lose and what he loves instead of what the Loki we seen destroy New York. And I thought that, this was like really beautiful. And the fact yep. that it, this has been a test, we were all right. They were purposefully chosen. Everything that happened in this whole series, right, that we've seen was a game to get them there. He wanted them because they, and they had to pass the test. It was Willy Wonka. <laughs> right? It was Loki Wonka. They won the magic cat. They won the uh, candy factory, except fucking Sylvie shanks Willy Wonka in the end. (laughs) The Oompa Loompas taught her that. Um, But uh, yeah, I just thought that stuff was great. What did you, when you first saw Jonathan Majors pop up, what was your first uh, thought uh, Delvin, knowing who he is and who he's cast at, what was your initial reaction? Were you? Uh, I was di- sh- shocked and ecstatic. Yeah, I was happy. Like they nailed it. I'm like, and I like the way he played it because it was unexpected. Because people, when people usually think of Kane the Conqueror, they think of menacing, they think of stoic, they think of terrifying. No, this version of Kane was just—he wasn't lighthearted. He was almost unhinged. Because you could tell it was kind of weighing on him of everything he was seeing happening over and over again. And it was such a cool element of that where he was kind of like explaining everything to them, what's going on and stuff, and how he's heard the conversation before. And he like, yeah, yeah, I know this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You guys can't kill me because I know everything you're going to do before you guys do it. I thought that was so cool. It's such an interesting aspect, an interesting way for Jonathan Majors to play this character. And it was just unbelievable to me. I thought it was amazing, in short. Most definitely. How about you, Mike? Yeah, from like a meta perspective, like I freaked out because of like, I mean, we've already discussed who we thought was going to be behind whatever it was that was going on. Very early on, we suspected that there was someone above Ravona. We suspected, I think, pretty early on that the timekeepers might not be real. And we were like, there's some sort of puppet master behind the scenes and you know and we all said like it could be Kang but like I don't know why they were like putting Kang introducing Kang the Conqueror in a TV show like I, I don't know so like from a meta perspective when I saw Jonathan Majors I fucking flipped I'm like they're actually doing this like my no- I put in my notes oh shit it is Jonathan Majors with is in, in capital letters like like they really they're really doing this right now they're really going for this wow. so like uh, from that perspective I was like I was impressed. I'm like, well, let, well, let's see how this is going to play out because that there's, there's, this is a, this is a big deal. If you're going to introduce the possible, you know, the, the Thanos of, of this next phase, you know, on a, on a TV show, that's a big deal. So let's see how this is going to play out from the perspective of, of watching the show. Um, like you said, Axel, uh, I thought he was, I thought he was incredible. I thought that and I can't speak highly enough of how much I like the idea of, introducing Kang and not introducing Kang yes. like that, like that, that sleight of hand kind of deal that they did. I, I, I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. 
And then I, I and, and then it was it was a little bit of fan service too because like for the three of us we were watching that and we, as soon as we see John at the majors we go oh shit because we know what's going on but what if you're not that person and you, and John at the majors pops up and you're like who the fuck is this supposed to be and now you're experiencing this and finding out what's happened it still yep. works yep. so like you don't need to have that insight of 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 you know who's been cast and what and, like it still works so like yeah. that's why i was so impressed with this finale because they did you know, on the on the surface of things, it looks like, OK, we had like a, a 45 minute conversation between three people that was somehow compelling. But like it was so much more than that. And they they, they just they did a great job of handling like the subtle, like uh, not subtle, but like the 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 things that aren't on the surface necessarily. The, the, the things that you kind of got to kind of like read between the lines and figure out like they 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 did a good job of serving both sets of people, the people who are kind of like looking for that kind of shit. And the people who are watching it just like, hey, me watch this thing with this guy from the Avengers movies and aren't doing what we're doing. Like both both parties should theoretically be satisfied. And I I, I, I I'm sitting here like, I don't know how they pulled this off, but fuck, they pulled it off. Yeah, definitely. I thought that, um, you know, when Julia Louis Dreyfus showed up in Falcon and Winter Soldier and also in something else. It's been a couple weeks. I won't spoil. Um, you are like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like, I love her. But her type of acting is, she's a subtle actress. You know what I mean? Like, it's ve- it's it's almost, uh, it's sarcastic a little bit. It's interior. When Jonathan Majors, I mean, immediately... When he is shown to us in total Wizard of Oz, man behind the curtain style, and he's sitting there and he's like, two Lokis. He just, as soon as he, his face changes, I said to myself, I was like, I don't even care who he, I know who he is, but I don't care. And no one else should care because all we need to do is just watch this guy act and be happy that they hit record on the camera because like i said i can't express how it's i love acting i started when i was a little kid my first movie and tv's experience was i was i was a little actor and i love acting and i love talking about acting with heath and when you're blown away by a person who inhabits a role and especially on something like this where you can just be on the show, right? Like he's already cast in a big movie. He didn't need to blow this the fuck out of the water. And he did it. And they let him do it too. Like they didn't direct him down. You know what I mean? They Like when he was like, Sylvie, murderer, right? Like it was so awesome. And then when he was talking about, like you were talking about Delvin Howe, He was just tired of being there. Like he had been sick of seeing this happen over and over again. And, you know, it was eons ago that this started for him. He really communicated that too. So I kind of felt like any talk of like stunt casting or anything like that kind of gets thrown out of the window 
when the performance is just so overwhelmingly awesome that even if he wasn't Kang and he was just some dude, right? And at the end of the episode, it was kind of like... Um, Maybe it was it was like in Spider-Man Far From Home where it's not really the person who you think it is, right? They're yeah. tricking you. Um, or what was that? Iron Man 2, right? Where it's Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 where he's supposed to be um, the Mandarin or something, right? Yeah. If it had yeah. been like that, I would have been happy. It kind of turned out to be like that in one way. But it was – his performance was amazing. And I love – I like the way that they rolled it out too, how he told them, Hey, look, this is a test. Every I've been paving the way for you. How mu- how far do you think that extends, guys? How far yeah. does that extend into what happened? Did he let Thanos get the stones? Did he well, like was everything a setup? to get Loki to grab the Tesseract and and be caught by the TVA? Like, how deep should we go with this? That's my question to you. I will say no. <laughs> I think all those things were happenstance, but he saw it happen. He knew it was going to happen. Okay. So just paving, just a light push here and there, right? You think to get them there? Because it's obvious that, like, he needed – he was like why and he may have done this with a host of other entities over time right and they chose to kill him or they chose nobody ever chose to take it over from him so has right. sylvie made this choice before or is this the first time he I, said it was the first time from correct okay i think so cuz this whole thing was he doesn't know what's going to happen after this moment right here he said okay right i'm now terrified because i don't know what was going to happen i think in his head he was hoping that oh they would take over the tva and he would train them to take over the tva and then he would die naturally because that's what he was thinking he he wanted them because he was dying essentially so in the end they had no free will up until that last choice Sylvie yes. is the only person who enacted free will. Yes. I find that to be fascinating, but I'm still wondering how far back it goes. <laughs> so I, I don't, I, to, to answer your question, I don't know. Um, but what I want to say is I hope that he, uh, I, I, I like the idea of the next villain being somebody who, allowed everything else to happen with the full knowledge that it was going to happen. So like, he knows like, like what you mentioned, like Thanos and, and, and Loki getting the Tesseract and all, all this kind of stuff. I love the idea that some, some entity knew this was going to happen, allowed it to happen, sit back and watched it happen because that makes him like, like you, you wonder how do you top Thanos? You top Thanos by having a guy who like, Almost like did like puppets with Thanos. Yeah. Like uh, I see what you're doing. That's down what there, I'm Thanos. saying, That's dude. Cool. Yeah, that works for me. That's the yeah, yeah. Go keep doing that. Like to have a a guy that could that they could present as someone who is that powerful that they watched Thanos like his his you know fourteen million <laughs> one in fourteen million shot of uh 
of eliminating half of life that this guy just sat there and watched it like, yeah, that's going according to plan. I'm going to let that keep happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that is so fucking cool. So, like, I really hope that uh, that's how they play it. That, like, all of the everything that's happened to this point, maybe he didn't facilitate it, but right. he allowed it to happen and could have facilitated it or, and, and could have given nudges or made things go in a certain way to make him go. But that he just kind of, like, sat there and was like, yeah, everything is uh, happening to my approval to this point. So I'm going to I'm going to allow all this to continue. Like, what a fucking badass you could build him out to be with that. I think there's some truth to that now that I think about it, because when you go back to the beginning of the show and they were like, well, how did the Avengers get to do all this stuff? And they didn't mess up the timeline. And he's yeah. like, no, that was meant to happen. That was supposed mm-hmm. to happen. The TVA was closing off all those yeah. loopholes to make sure what happened in the movies happened. Because the whole thing is that's supposed to be one timeline to define it all. So yeah. all those loopholes that Dr. Strange was talking about, like there's 14 million ways this could happen. The TVA, in theory, would be closing all those loopholes out so that didn't happen that way. And in theory, so Thanos didn't win. So no matter what happened, as long as the TVA was there, Thanos would not win. That yeah. timeline we got was supposed to happen. And that it would also, in theory, close up some inconsistencies about, hey, well, if our Loki died at, Endgame, at um, Infinity War, how is this Loki still around? Because... That stuff, like they said, I think they said it in Endgame itself. Everything in the timeline that happened was supposed to happen. You can't change the timeline. Yeah. They but, have it both ways. Yeah, Marvel does it. Everything that happened happened, and they also do you create a branch-off universe, right? So, yeah, so Cap bringing back the Infinity Stones didn't change the Infinity Stones getting taken away. That didn't change anything. It just brought them back to where they're supposed to be at so the people could get them. And Loki leaving the timeline, while it was a disruption of the timeline, in theory, he had done everything he could do in that timeline already. Right. Yeah. So that Loki was just a loose end that was, in theory, create another timeline, but now it's kind of off the table. Yeah. I think it goes back all the way. I think they're, I think they really are, um, making you in a very inte- a very pretty genius way look back at everything and say and also not only um did they say that you know the infinity infinity war and endgame were supposed to happen that way but the freaking TVA is full of infinity stones so yeah. it must have been something that kept on happening and people get them and they have to correct it and they have to correct it again. If it's so, if they're so prevalent that we use them as paperweights around here, right, then it must be the reoccurring reason why the timeline branches off most of yes. the bad pro- problems. So in I theory, yeah. all those infinity stones are the ones from Thanos winning. Essentially. That's interesting. See, I think it's so and, cool. Yeah. I love that. And them just case we got to stop this. We got to close off this timeline. Let's get these infinity stones, put the timeline back. Right. Yeah. I wonder because it's funny a couple weeks ago, I rewatched the matrix films and I found a real appreciation for Revolutions and Reloaded because I was actually building Lego and I was listening instead of watching all the action. 
And I kept on really intently listening to the dialogue about this has happened before. And there were six Neos before you, but they were different people. And I wonder how many iterations this king went through. It's eons. So were there other people who were put through this challenge? Because when she kills him, all he says to her, he says, see you soon. Right. And then we do see him soon. But does he but he also said if you kill when he gives him the two choices, he says, kill me and get an infinite amount of devils and I'll just end up back here. And then he goes reincarnation like he's going to right because the timeline is going to loop back around again. So how many times has that happened? And I think that that is a really interesting and when I like that they're leaning into the time travel aspect of this and the cyclical nature of it. Um, I just thought that that was a really cool idea that does make you kind of it retro. What, what do they call that again? Retrofits or you kind of relook at the way everything has gone before and I buy it. Um, I thought it was, I th- I think that's a very cool way to think about it. Um, what did you guys think about, uh, let's see, uh, well, they talked about the discover, oh, this is a question I want to ask you. Would you like to see an entire mini series of just Jonathan Majors being the original king who discovers the timelines. <laughs> Just that like two minutes that he says, all of us, I was sitting there going like, please give us like a three episode series of just him <laughs> do it. Cause I want to see him discovering different universe, right? In the third. And that's also, it doesn't happen until the 31st century. Right. Which was eons ago. Yeah. I love that line. Which was eons ago. So that's like, that's really fucking cool. You know, I don't yeah. know. I just, I, I love the whole thing. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about that. No, I, 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 I awesome. like that too, because like, I, well, I like that idea of watching him do that, do that in like a little mini series. I think that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, I, I loved how they subtly played with time with that line like eons ago in the 31st century this happened like <laughs> like but that makes sense from a guy who looked like i said he looked like I, I think i said in my video he's like outside of time so like for him time isn't like a, a progression it's like a spot like you can pick and choose where you yeah. go in it when yeah. you when you're like that so it's like a like a straight line or whatever kind of shape but something that you don't exist in so it doesn't have direction you can just kind of like pick and choose like okay 30 31st century and for him that's that could be eons ago that could be eons from now that could be five minutes ago like i don't know like little little lines like that i just thought were really cool i wonder if we'll get more of that in the the multiverse the madness of the multiverse movie or uh anything else like i or even season two of this or something i wonder if we will get a little bit more of them Kind of because, you know, it's just like in Star Wars where they jump five years just so they can give you 15 animated shows about what happened in that five-year period. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? They're like, good job, George. You jumped more time. We can fill it in with more shit. Um, 
I wonder they they gave us a little story there that was a huge setup for what's to come. That was that's similar to in um in uh in Infinity War when they give where it's only like three minutes, but they tell the stories of the Infinity Stones. You know what I mean? And to do it in a TV show again is just kind of ballsy, you know, because you're going to have to know this stuff. I feel like moving in th- and WandaVision too, moving into the next series of films. Yeah. I wonder too, if they're going to, um, if they're going to start now, now that they've, I feel like they needed to wait to get this out before they could start kind of like leading us in the direction of where the movies are going to go. And I, I feel like the 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 next two movies, Shang Chi and, and the Eternals, I believe those are the next two. Um, uh, I, I'm not, I know Shang Chi is next. I, I, for some reason, I can't figure out where the Eternals falls in here because I know Spider Man is December. But um, I feel like those two are going to be kind of like origin movies that can take place at any point in time and not be impacted by what we just saw here, and that Spider Man is going to be directly impacted by what we just saw here. And I'm I'm wondering how long now that they've got this out and now it's known kind of like what direction they're going, how long before we start getting more information on where that's going to go? Like, for instance, like it's July 18th. Spider-Man's coming out in December. It's probably about time to drop that trailer and the trailer that they've probably been sitting on until Loki yeah. was done. And now that it's done, it will have been a week uh, on Wednesday, like Drop that fucking trailer on Wednesday and shut shit down. Like I'm t- that Spider-Man trailer is going to shut shit down, and I I can't wait. Okay, Shang Chi is September third, twenty twenty one, and the Eternals is November fifth, twenty twenty one. Oh, so okay. they're going September, November, December. Then shit. Spider-Man, okay. then then Multiverse is next summer, right? I think it's so. next spring. Oh, okay. I just saw that date right now. I'll tell you right now what date it is. March twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. That's oh wow, lot, that's sooner man. than I thought. After after like waiting for Black Widow for how long? Then to and for that to also be kind of a prequel in a sense to drop four movies in like a year or so. That's pretty awesome. That'll be very fun. Yeah. And I hope they'll all be offer some premiere access if we need it cuz that's actually cheaper than going to the movies. Yes, it actually is. <laughs> yes, it is. And it saves a lot of time and you don't have to tell people to put their cell phones away. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Sylvie. They're given the choice. You can kill me and restart the time loop, you know, or you can, which by the way, also though, like you said, he doesn't know what's going to happen. So anything he says is conjecture in a sense based upon perhaps previous iterations, but she has free will now. So we don't know what's going to happen next. So I just want to throw that in there. But they said kill or you guys can take over and be like the new timekeepers, right? I found my two people, but it's you. By the way, I have to throw out a lost reference. They were in fact candidates. For the island, and they were yes. chosen, right? That's what they were. There's a lot of lost in this in this uh, series. Apparently so. I was so excited when he said that, and I thought to myself, they're not going to kill him. We're going to have season two of Sylvie and Loki running the TVA. I'm so excited. 
They get into an amazing fight, which was so well choreographed, which to me was maybe my favorite fight of the season. I just thought it was the, the, the parrying that they did and how in the end where he reappears and she's got the knife at his throat, it was just, I mean, it was, that was some great physical acting there. I thought that scene was very powerful because it showed us that our Loki had no intentions of hurting her, yep. no desire to hurt her. He just wanted her to stop. Yep. He was trying to save her because he was like, we can mess up. Because the whole thing was, Kang essentially said, you can kill me, and killing me will essentially bring up a multiverse, and all the Kangs from that multiverse will be here. Yeah. So you're going to have to deal with multiple versions of me. Or you can let me live, and you can run the TVA to keep these Kangs from ever existing, essentially. And that was the whole thing that they were brought up to. I feel like Sylvie knew the truth, but she was so hell-bent on her achieving her goal and her purpose and her glorious purpose and things like that. She didn't want to give up on that dream of what she was inspired to do because there's some validity to what she was feeling because essentially because the multiverse was extinguished, she lost her family. She lost her world. Yeah. What she, everything that she knew. And Loki was like, no, I understand you're in pain, you're hurt, but let's think this over because if he's telling the truth, we could do everybody by doing this. If there's somebody who's more powerful than this guy, who we honestly always thought we was able to kill him because he let us, you know, maybe like we should think this over before we make this harsh decision. I think she knew in her heart that Loki was right, but didn't want to admit it. So she kind of like, no, you're just trying to manipulate me and use me and things like that. And Loki was being genuine, like, hey, let's figure this out before you make a, re- a rash decision that we're going to regret. And I think that's going to be powerful into season two because I think in her head, she thought that she sent Loki back to the TVA that they know. Mm-hmm. What I really think happened is because the timeline is split, she sent him to another TVA on a different timeline. Hmm. I, just, I, think hmm. I think I think it's like what happened when they sent time through Ant-Man instead of sent him through time. It changed when she uh, at either... But you have a point there, Delvin, because we have to try to figure out when did it change, right? She sends him back. Because during that scene, when she was deciding, you started seeing multiple timelines open up. Right. And once she killed him, I think all those timelines fully opened up. I'm not sure. I I think that the... I don't know, because the TVA exists outside of time. So it... It is, it remains. And the thing that changes is the perspective of the people. So I'm not so sure that I agree with that. I think that we still don't know how much B-15 and Mobius know or remember, but they are reacting to the same event that Loki and Sylvie created. Right? Am I I right about that? Yes. So... I think so. I think they're aware of it, but I think that, that that would explain why they don't know who Loki is. See, that, to me, I interpreted that as 
they got zapped or something. You know what I mean? And they were reset. But the TVA, the built, whatever that, that, that area of existence or whatever the fuck it is, it still, it remained. That's how I saw it. But I think it's open to interpretation and we'll find out next season. I think they purposefully, they didn't recognize him, right? But they did not make any reference to their experience other than that. So we have no reference to know. I think that um, where Loki's at now, there's another Kang, essentially. And it's maybe a more eviler Kang who's trying to use the TBA for his own personal game. Oh, definitely. I think it's the Kang we're going to see, Kang the Conqueror, that we're going to know in the movies. And Mm -hmm. you're right. So you're right in a sense that they sent him... That's true. That's a that's a that's a that's a hard thinker because it's like at some point, whether it was when she sent him through the portal or whether it was when he was sitting in that room being sad and she killed Kang, good Kang, that it just changed. So when he left the room, everybody was still reacting, but the statue was a different Kang and it right like it yes. it could have just happened as as they're being inserted into some new time like he died so it restarted you know what I'm saying like this whole time thing restart the even outside it restarted because whatever control he had had over the monster and everything like that yeah. is something too um, but I do want to say. One thing I had thought of is, does that mean because Sylvie enchanted the goat, the smoke monster, does the smoke monster still exist? So does she That's control it now? Does she- because in theory, the smoke monster worked for Kang yeah. to stop other Kangs from coming to kill him. Right. So does Sylvie, can, did she did she kind of get a halfway? Like, is that why she killed him? Because she was like, oh, you gave away that the thing you weaponized to win the war was this smoke monster, Aurea, or, or I think it's called. I, let me see if I have it written down here. That pronunciation was uh, was not good. Wait, where? where uh, oh, okay. He said, eons ago, he discovered stack universes. Then there was peace, then a great war. He won by taming the smoke monster, Eliath, and created the TVA to stabilize time. So now that Sylvie has has, uh, enchanted the smoke monster, was that part of her reasoning, I began to think. Hey, I already enchanted the thing you used to win. (laughs) So, Could be. I didn't consider that. Yeah. So when she Good steps point. out of there, does she does she control it all? So does she become an anti? Do her and Loki fight in season two? After we didn't, we kind of went past their their kiss, which I thought was very powerful and beautiful. That's a good question. I don't. I. 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 I'm. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we can't know. There's no way we can know. But uh, I hadn't considered that at all. So that's a that's an interesting uh, a direction to go. And as far as like the interpretation of what happened, um, I looked at it as uh, a, like you guys said. Once she killed, uh, once she killed Kang, uh, the timeline changed. And where Loki, the the where Loki was at the end, I believe is a timeline 
where all of the events that we have seen to date did not happen. They don't exist. He's now she's now he's now in a timeline where he and Mobius have not met. They none of this happened, and it's not like a it's 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 the it's I don't I, I you can't technically say it's the same timeline because it's not. But like I just I, it's, it's just a it, it's a it's an altered version of the timeline that existed before. Like it, in the the Kang living timeline is the one that we've experienced, and now now that Kang is dead or this version of Kang is dead. Now that timeline is something entirely different in which uh, one of the evil Kangs is in charge and and openly running the TVA and that whatever they were reacting to those those split timelines like that's I don't not I don't believe to be connected in any kind of way like they're oh, just really? like looking at like holy shit there's a whole bunch of branches here they don't have any fucking clue who Loki is what he did yeah. why this know is that happening Sylvie did that yeah, they're just looking like, holy shit, there's a whole bunch of branches. And and I think that was done for us to be kind of like surprised when they pan over to show the show the Jonathan Major statue and for him to not know who Loki was. Yeah, that's very interesting. You're right, because what happens is you get this scene where before she even kills him, you you see B fifteen and Mobius at the TVA looking at everything going nuts. Right. Then the whole stuff happens. Then we come back and they're in the library area where they meet up with Loki. And that's when they don't recognize him. So I think you guys have a point in the sense of they did define the TVA as existing outside the timeline. But it's as almost as if Loki was reinserted to a time after where this whole thing had happened because they they made reference to he instead of they when they were talking and they were talking about Kang. Yes. Right? They were saying, what does he think? Which means they have a past history with him. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So it's like every things have already happened that we don't know about. So I think maybe yeah. when she threw him through the portal, he was already there. Which I think is an interesting idea to think about. Um, if if what we're seeing happening there, and what we're seeing happening, like you're saying, Mike, are they respond? Are they responding to the same thing? It could be that they're not. It could yeah. be that they're responding to uh, something Sylvie did later that now we're catching up to. I, I think they're responding to the same thing, but they don't. They don't. One know group it. knows, another group okay. doesn't know. Right. And when Loki has yep. no clue, his group has no clue that what just transpired. Huh. They think their Kang is okay, everything's they just trying to figure out how does this happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas what the people with Mobius we know knows what happened. It's just like yes. I think season two probably can deal with Sylvie trying to find Loki and realizing he's not where I put him at. Interesting. I like that. See, that's the only way we that's the only place we diverge. I don't think Loki is somewhere different than she expects. I think Loki okay. is where she expected him to be, but where he is is now different now than it was before. Maybe she put him in, but think about this. Are they experiencing an apocalypse at the TVA? So did she throw him to somewhere where she thought he'd be safe? I but he's not. A possibility. You know what I mean? Like she thought she was using her old trick and he'd be safe. 
not only was it like a time he couldn't fuck up, but it's at the TVA or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to think about it. But I like the fact our, that our brains are going to explode trying to figure yeah. this shit out. That's man. fun, though. Her, her I like whole motivation was to keep him safe and out the yeah. way of her doing what she Exactly. That's what I'm thinking, Delvin, too, right? Because, hey, let's take a moment to talk about the very touching moment. And throughout this episode, I thought that they did a really excellent job of slowly upping his looks at her, her being more open to him to the point at which they kiss. And then of course she ends up fucking throwing him through a portal. But I think it does. I think they really handled that very well. And I have to say that for the MCU, which has not done a, a lot of romantic stuff, they did this very well. And I found it to be very romantic and kind of beautiful and both of the actors were really into it. Bravo. That's all I got on that. You guys want to talk I'm about good. kissing any, anymore? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it ended the, it, it, it went the way that I expected it to go. Yeah, it was, it was cute. It was cute. I, I have a question for you guys though. I don't know if we're, I, yeah. I figure we're probably about to wrap up, but I have yeah. a question, a question for you guys. Cause I saw it on Facebook. And I saw a lot of I, I, I saw every possible combination of answer. So uh, how, the question is, how would you rank the series? The series is, is, is the three that we've gotten so far. I've oh. seen a, every possible combination. I've seen someone. I saw someone in the comments choose that combination. So, like, where do you guys fall on one, two and three of these shows? Loki, number one, Falcon, Winter Soldier, number two, Wanda, Vision, number three. And why? I feel like in terms of important and relevant things happening, I feel like Loki was the most relevant and most important in terms of of (laughs) affecting the universe. And given what we know, I feel like Falcon Winter Soldier also was very important because they showed us what our MCU looks like today after Thanos in terms of the political geoscope of it and things like that and gave us a look at, hey, this is your Captain America for, for the foreseeable future. And I feel like WandaVision, while it was good, it had its moments that were very slow. And you had to kind of you had to kind of go along for that ride to the end. And I don't think it felt like, with the exception of giving us quote unquote vision back and giving us a fully powered up Scarlet Witch, I don't feel like it affected the universe too much. It, or it could, or it could in ways that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you um, think, Axel? Um, I'm going to go in in revert in in reverse order of how they made them. I think that they got better as they went along. I loved all of them, um, but I'm going to put Loki first, then WandaVision, then uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. And not that I didn't not like it. I thought they were all fun. They were all great. But I think cohesively. This was the best season that mixed sending us into the films and uh, and kind of quote unquote honoring the MCU and giving us a standalone actual season of television where there was character progression. Um, they're all pretty successful TV shows. I got to hand it to them. But for yeah. me, if I was going to say what I thought was like the most like really saw the clearest vision that would be the order that i would say yeah i i kind of i i i don't really know where i fall on 
um, WandaVision and, and Falcon uh, because, well, I'll, I'll, well, let me start by saying Loki is also my number one. And, and I, I don't even, I, I it, it's easy. Like, like it's, it's by a pretty large margin. Like I, I thought Loki uh, was successful in every aspect and it's not, not even really close uh, the other two, but um, WandaVision on one hand, uh, was incredibly ambitious, and I really respect that, what they went for. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, it, it, this is a very, a very simple statement. I thought the first three episodes of WandaVision weren't any good. So <laughs> so how can I be like, this is like the best shit, but it had three episodes that you just patently did not like. So like that's kind of what makes me waver on how I would place it, because like there's there's a parts of parts of it that I like. And then parts of it that I didn't like. So I kind of lean toward putting WandaVision second anyway, just because of uh, of how much respect I have for what they tried to pull off. Whereas Falcon and Winter Soldier was very uh, by the books. You know, it's like, okay, we're, we got the, you know, we want to we want to set up having Sam be Captain America. We want to pay off people who wanted to see Sam and Bucky have a series together. And it, it, it was very, uh, very by the books, whereas I, I respect what they tried to do. Or I can't even say tried to do what they did with WandaVision. I just didn't. I just I felt like they, I felt like they made a couple of uh, uh, errors in judgment there uh, with how they did it, which I, I, which I feel like they'll probably learn from, assuming that they agree with me that those were errors in judgment. Maybe they don't. But, uh, yeah, I, I lean toward putting WandaVision second and Falcon and Winter Soldier third for that reason, just of like, yeah, they 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 really swung for the fences here and uh, there was a couple misses on WandaVision, but at the end of the day, they did hit some home runs and they did something that was uh, unexpected, especially for a show that no one asked for. No one wanted that. No one was like, Hey, let's, uh, let's get a Wanda and vision show. I, like even when they announced it, I'm like, one, I don't care about this. And two, what kind of shitty name is that? <laughs> like, I, I was not on board and they, they yeah. did something that was incredibly unexpected and for the most part, pulled it off. So um, that's kind of why I, sl- I think I kind of leaned toward putting it second. Nice. I, I I think that one thing we can all agree on is, you know, when they announced back in the day, they're going to do some shows on ABC. And we're going to do some shows on Netflix. Well, they're finally really doing what, what we not- thought. Yeah, what we wanted and what we thought. And not that those shows weren't good. Hey, a lot of people enjoyed them. But I thought that this was really the pinnacle of, quite frankly, almost a new kind of TV show. Because there never really has been, and there's been a lot of attempts in the years, um, whether it's trying to make like a born spinoff TV show or this spinoff, or, you know, we're going to go from movies to film, whether it's like something as stupid as like a Baywatch, but then it's rebooted after the movie comes out. You know what I mean? Like, cause it got popular again, but this cl- very clear and distinct handoff to films or to a second season is it was really, it, it, I got to give them credit. Uh, I really enjoyed this season. I thought it was a whole lot of fun. I look forward to the next series, which is going to be the Hawkeye series, right? I believe that's the next, or is She Hulk? I don't remember which one's the next coming. Li- the li- oh. next live actor series, I think, is Hawkeye. The next series is What If. Okay, right. What If? I definitely, uh, that's going to be awesome. 
I love that. That's, May, that's August 8th or something August like something. that? Yeah, yeah August that's something. Fun. That's fun I want to say 8th and 11th are both stuck in my head for some reason. And since you said 8th, it must be the 8th. Let me but, check. I want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I, thinking I, like 8th or the 11th. But yeah. And Miss Marvel is coming out pretty soon, too. I think yes. Miss Marvel might be it, December or something. or. Yeah, I, I, I think um, – what was the other one you said? Uh, She-Hope. Yeah. I think they're still – I don't even think they've started on that yet as oh, far okay. as, like, actual filming. I feel like they're still – I, uh, I, I don't think they've started some, filming that yet. I thought there were some set picks of Tatiana Muslani. No, August you're 11th. right. There was, there, was set, there was set picks. Yeah, yeah. you're right. What if August 11th? Okay, okay, so, yeah, that's why the 11th was stuck in my head then. Yeah, and what if is going to be fun? I mean, I think some episodes will play into stuff. Some won't. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be a great series with the original – voice cast everybody's going to be redoing who they do and i love that comic when i was a kid but i'm just looking forward to all these i think they're going to be awesome i've also enjoyed very much uh spending sunday with you gentlemen and a couple of mondays this has been super fun that's all i got you guys have anything else that you want to chat about before we head out uh i'm good uh i'm i'm uh i'm all set this has been fun uh, I, I'm glad that uh, we made the right decision on what what show we chose to to all you know cover collectively together. Uh, th- this was the best one to to choose from, and and uh, just like you know we were hoping that the Loki series was you know on the surface like it seemed like this is probably going to be the best one, and it lived up to it. And, and in my opinion, it surpassed. I, I thought it was be- it was it was more than what I hoped for. So uh, I, I but again. All this kind of shit, like this, is right up my alley. So yeah. <laughs> it, it was good. Yeah, it, it it was more than what I hoped for. So I'm 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 very pleased, and I've been pleased with these podcasts, these episodes. I think like we've done some great stuff, had some great conversations, dug in deeper than probably people were. Uh, people are probably doing and on other shows or other podcasts and and we come up with some great theories we were all right about some sort of prediction at some point, and yeah, it's been it's been fun. Yep. I agree. All right. Anything anything from you, Delvin, to take us out? This this has been a blast. I don't know where we're gonna do it again. But I hope we do do it again. That's all I was saying about it. I think it was cool. It was great. Me too. And I do I've been saying to DJ, I would love to get on a garbage opinions podcast, guys, because I have Oh some, yeah, he told he told yeah. us, yeah. Okay. I have some garbage opinions. definitely all right well listen thank you everyone who has been with us on this journey thank you to mike thank you to delvin this was really fantastic this was a lot of fun for me i hope it was a lot of fun for everyone who's watching and listening thank you for the support we love you all we'll see you later peace peace Peace.